Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. There's a, an analogy that um, speaks to um, how we often relate maybe to thoughts or emotions. It's the analogy of the monkey and the, I have to say it right, the monkey and the resin, not raisin, resin. So if you don't know what it is, <laughs> it's not a French thing. <laughs> you'll, you'll discover it in a few seconds. <laughs> if you can't make sense of the way I pronounce it. So there's this monkey that sees something shiny, maybe on the branch of a tree. And it's like, uh-uh. And then it smells it a bit, and it's shiny and, and smelly. And so it comes close to it, you know, and it goes like this, you know. And then, and then, and then like this, you know, and all the fingers are stuck in the resin. And then it's like, oh, what am I going to do? Then it <laughs> tried to remove its pashmina. <laughs> and then it goes, of course, it goes like this, you know, <laughs> trying to solve the problem like this. You know? And then there's, you know, resin all over the, and then it goes, of course, it goes like this, you know like trying to work it out, get out of the mess, you know? <laughs> and so, but it doesn't work so well. So, so what it does, uh, having no other solution in mind, is to go like this. <laughs> and then like this, and then like this, and then it's stuck. So that was an analogy for what? <laughs> oh, yeah, the way we relate to thoughts and emotions. Sometimes I don't know if you recognize something like this that <laughs> might happen to people you know. <laughs> and um, and there's other ways to relate, and some that we know uh, of and that we practice, or naturally uh, uh, natural ways that other ways that we have to engage with emotions or. Thoughts that crosses the mind. And there's one way that I learned. Actually, it's broader than, uh, broader than thoughts. It's, uh, it's, uh, it includes all the domains that maybe we've talked about. You know, uh, body, emotions, thoughts, experiences of pleasure, pleasure, displeasure, or their absence, kind of neutrality. And... Um, It's, uh, it's actually three questions. It's a way to practice uh, meditation or mindfulness. Uh, or actually, uh, it's a way to report on one's practice. So that's how I learned about these three questions and how I learned actually to practice through these uh, three questions. And uh, the three questions are... The first question is, um, what was happening? A way to report your practice when you go see your teacher, maybe, or if you have the chance to exchange with the teacher about practice. So that would be one way to do this. Uh, kind of a classic uh, Burmese way to do this in some traditions. 
So what was happening is something you would report on. So what was happening? Walking, sitting, breathing, eating, uh, taking a shower. Something was happening, you know. Something was happening. Uh, so first question, what was happening? How were you relating to it? And so if I go see my teacher, I'll say, well, okay, this afternoon I did some walking meditation. What was happening? I was doing walking meditation. Uh, how were you relating to it? I was thinking about next week when I'll be home. <laughs> you know, was, was I relating to it mindfully? Or, or I was hating it. I hate, I hate walking. Uh, or, uh, you know, there was uh, attention given to stepping, stepping. And then, you know, a staff walked by and I forgot I was walking. I just got intrigued by where they were coming from and what were their tasks. Or, you know, I got caught in the visual, you know. So what, uh, what was happening? How was it met? How was it known? What was the relationship with it? So that's the second question. And the third question is, what happened after? So the staff disappeared, and then I, you know, remembered in Anushka style, oh, IMS retreat, <laughs> you know, walking. Oh, you know, there was a remembering of the practice. So these three questions, what was happening? How was I relating to it? And what eventually happened? What happened after? And I remember there was a, I think it was a two-month retreat, some same schedule of this, a little bit, raising a little bit earlier. F- first sit was, uh, I don't know if it was 5.30 or 6. And going a little later, maybe until 9.30. With a sh- shorter break, that meal time. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's disappearing. <laughs> My freedom's disappearing. <laughs> and... Uh, at the end, I, and uh, I learned a lot in that retreat. I learned about these three questions, how to report to the teacher that was uh, there. And the questions helped me learn to practice. Because if I had to report in this way, I had to practice in this way, no? So it, instead of being what was known, how was I relating to it, or what eventually happened, it was more like, what's happening how am I relating to it now? And let's stay tuned in to see how this is going to transform in some way. Or is it going to transform? Or what's going to happen if I stay with it? And um, just for the story, at the end of the retreat, after two months, we started talking, like maybe we'll do here at the end of this retreat. You know? So for two months we didn't talk. Uh, and some of my good friendships that I have in my life were developed in, through silence, through spending time like this uh, in silence. But at the end of the retreat, we started talking together. Hey, how was re- your retreat? And I was saying, like, ah, oh, at the beginning, it was so hard for me to report. You know, often the teacher would say, would listen to me just a few seconds and would say, no, no, go. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and, um, and the way it was set up is that uh, when we were reporting, we could hear the person before us reporting. And so I really, <laughs> I was like, what, what are they reporting about? <laughs> like that I'm not reporting ab- about that I'm getting kicked out of the interview room every time. You know? So I was, re- I was uh, telling this to the, the other retreatants at the end. I was like, oh, it was so hard for me at the beginning. And, and, and they were saying like, oh, but the document they gave us when we came in, it was so helpful for reporting. You know? <laughs> and I was like, what document? <laughs> I didn't get the document. And like, you didn't get the document? Oh, here's the document. So two months after, I read the document. But I knew it. I knew the document from uh, experientially. <laughs> then, because then they were like, you'll be asked three questions. <laughs> you, know, you should answer three questions without them being asked. You know, you could report on these three questions. I was like, oh, yeah, I know now. I know about these questions. But it was really helpful for me, this frame. For me, at 
uh, it had a simplicity to it. What is happening, Pascal? How are you relating to it? Be- becoming aware of this. And then, what? let's, say, let's see what's going to happen. Yeah, I like these questions because I can bring them in my life, you know. It's not just to report to a teacher or maybe to practice on retreat, but so what's happening here now? Oh, okay, so there's this, um, maybe this um, uh, conflict between me and this person, or there's this conflict. So that's what's happening. Conflict is happening, or misunderstanding, or struggle of some sort, you know. So that's, how am I relating to it? Just the question, to me, might open up to possibilities that are not there before I ask the question, you know, of, or these questions, what's happening? How am I relating to it? Because habitually I might, um, you know, despise conflict, despise the other for making conflict happen, or despise myself, or life, or, you know, and in that moment, asking the question, it becomes, a, yeah, there might be the possibility of a different way to relate. Okay, can I actually recognize, yeah, this conflict. We don't understand each other right now. Very rich question to me. How am I relate? Can it be okay that we don't understand each other right now? You know? No. <laughs> cannot be okay. But often for me, the answer is like, yes, just for now. <laughs> Not for a, a lot longer, but for now I'm okay. Oh, so, you know, okay, so it's this conflict now, recognizing slightly different than, than acceptance. It's tricky, this, this wording of acceptance. It might, we might understand that I'm not going to do anything about it, you know. But if I use acceptance, to me it would be to accept that this is how it is right now. You know, recognize that this is happening. Okay. And, yeah, there are possibilities open. Would you allow me to go to another little list? Not the list of three, but the list of four? Let's keep this one. Just... List of three questions about how to practice or live. You know, when I talked uh, about the domains, and uh, uh, Anushka referred to this as the foundations of mindfulness or the establishments, I think you also said, Anushka. So the four foundations of mindfulness, so what we are invited to put our attention on. So you might remember or not, but it's good we're reviewing this together. So what we're invited to pay attention to as we're here on retreat, here sitting on a chair, cushion standing, walking, laying down in bed, moving about, eating, or later in our life if we want to continue practice mindfulness or the Buddhist path, however you think of it. So we're invited to become aware of the physical realm, body, sensations, body moving, body moving objects. So things that are of the physical world, we could say this, the senses, five senses. So this is one area that we're invited to be aware of. There's a second area where it seems I kind of hear the Buddha saying, hey, when something is pleasant, Pascal, pay particular attention. Be, be there. Be really curious about uh, how you're relating to pleasure or displeasure. If something happens to be un- displeasurable, tune in. Tune in. It's a good time to practice, to bring you know, the best attention. Ah, difficult. Ah, not what I wanted. Ah, let's be here. Oh, contraction in the chest discouragement coming in, you know, so, or if there's no pleasure, no 
nor displeasure, oh, that would be a good time to be particularly present. (laughs) That covers pretty much everything. (laughs) So the first establishment, foundation, or domain, maybe we could think, is the body, the experiences of the body. Then the experiences of pleasure, displeasure, which can be related, of course, to the body. And then the third foundation is the mind states, which umbrella term for joy, sorrow, uh, calm, uh, playfulness, rigidity of mind, etc. Just the kind of texture or flavor or attitude. So the invitation of the Buddha is, oh, when there's a mind state that is there, particular attitude, become aware of it. Goodwill, ill will, you know, be there for, for it. That's the third foundation. So body, pleasure, displeasure, and mind or heart as you think of it. But there's four foundation. One way to present the fourth one is not just mind states, but it seems like the Buddha is saying, or might be saying, or we could hear it like this, Yes, be aware of your mind state, but there's something even more interesting, or that could be very interesting, is how to go from mind states that are entangling to mind states that are liberating. How to transition from hatred, maybe, to love, or acceptance, or clear boundaries. or How to go from a mind that is afflicted to a mind that maybe is creative, if we want to think of it like this. Interesting, no? So four domain. One is body. Another one is pleasure, displeasure. Another one is the quality of the mind or heart. And another one is the passage from one kind of quality of mind, one kind of mind or heart, to another that investigation, that exploration of how am I going to accompany myself in distress, not adding distress, not expanding distress. How am I going to do this? How is that possible, this kind of alchemy, maybe? And so what we're doing here is partly this. It's seeing, like, oh, here's the mind state. How can that instead of being oppressive, maybe, become liberating? How can, in the anger, maybe go get the intelligence, the energy, and let go of the abuse or dishonesty that might come in the anger? So that's the work here that we're doing. And we're doing this as we sit here. Looks like we're doing nothing. You know, somebody would pass by like, they're doing nothing, sitting, <laughs> sitting on their ass all day long, <laughs> you know, walking a little bit, <laughs> sitting a bunch, you know. But what we do as we just step, step, is we learn to go from boredom to interest. We learn how to go from self-loathing to respect, self-respect. We go from, we learn how to, the effects of maybe judgments, how to go from judgments to non-judgment maybe, how to go from uh, confusion to clarity, how to go from, uh, well, you see the thing a bit, how to go from uh, shame to pride. really interesting transformation happening here. This has to do with that second question. How are you relating? You know, how are you relating to discouragement? Are you building more of it? Or is that an opportunity suddenly to develop compassion? What do you do in the face of uh, what is difficult? Difficulty could very naturally, it does, 
you know, lead to becoming rigid, closed, or collapsing, of course, of course. But how could the contact with what is unpleasant or difficult lead to love in the form of compassion or care, self-care, or integrity, honesty? This is very intriguing. It's worth spending a few days exploring this. So what I'm talking a little bit about now is, to me, it's relating to the second question. How am I relating to the different mind states that visit me? And then there's the third question. So I'm moving from four domains to three questions. <laughs> so the first question is, what's happening? How are you relating to it? Oh, so much exploration to do here. So much potential in terms of liberation, inner freedom. You know, how to accompany fear. It can create a lot more fear, fear or rejection of fear, or hatred of fear, or fear of fear. Very natural, for sure. And what else is possible in the face of fear, in the experience of fear? Ah, It's very tricky, not easy. We're probably going to fall flat on our face many times, you know. But there's a possibility here. And then the third question, what happened after, when it's put in the past tense, you know, for reporting, what happened after what you're describing to me? The teacher is asking this, so what happened after what you're describing to me? There was a big, you know, uh, wave-like, tsunami-like, you know, emotions, you know, doubt or longing to be somebody else, somewhere else, anywhere, doesn't matter, just not here. <laughs> you know, the, ah, so this was what was going on, you get caught in it, of course, yeah, what happened after? Well, at some point, you know, I heard the bell for the food. <laughs> and, you know, the doubt disappeared because there was pizza. <laughs> And so the teacher is asking that question to bring another kind of discernment, another kind of wisdom, the capacity to recognize the ephemeral, changing nature of events. You know, what eventually happened with the walking that you hate so much? Well, at some point it ended. Oh, okay. What happened with that? perfect mind state of concentration and bliss, levitating. What happened with your levitation? Well, at some point, you know, I landed. (laughs) 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 Ah, okay. So it added in its nature to arise (laughs) and fall. Yeah. So that's, it might look incredibly simple but I think I've learned for myself that it's a really deep, helpful question. Staying attentive long enough to see something arise and pass can be so liberating. So if suddenly there's this shame that comes, you know, you're a piece of shit, kind of. It doesn't, maybe it might say this sometimes, but sometimes it just doesn't say it. It's just presses down in this way, you know. So, if this arises in one, you know, so how am I relating to this becomes really vital, I find. How am I relating to this view, this impression, this very strong sense that I'm unworthy? How do I relate to this? 
and what eventually happens? These are two extremely important questions, I think. Because one invites me to relate maybe differently than just buying into this impression message. And the other question of what happens eventually might show me that somehow it passes or morphs into something, lessens or maybe expands, but at some point something will happen. I'll fall asleep, if anything else. You know. And seeing this again and again, seeing this with a high-quality presence, this passing nature of events, inside, outside, all events, phenomenon, phenomena. I thought I knew now. Seeing again and again, there's an understanding that can come from high-quality contact with impermanence. An image that is used sometimes is... uh, Imagine a boat, a little boat, tied to a a pier by a rope. And the rope is uh, slowly kind of scratching against the wood, maybe, of the pier, like this. And so it's just, you know, not much to say about it. One season, two season, not during winter, then spring and at some point tuck, the boat is released freed from being tied in the same way in Buddhist practice or meditation, mindfulness we're invited to pay close attention to phenomena the stepping, the breathing the, ta- the bites and to keep noticing keep noticing the arising and passing arising and passing. And at some point, the mind just opens up. It starts to understand the real uh, nature of the matrix, or the nature of things, phenomena. They come and go. It's really hard after to have greed, I want, I want, knowing that something will be changing. You know, so helps release the suffering we have from greed, from clinging, rope burn. You know, something is escaping, and I'm trying to keep it. You know, so that question. So what happened after, or as I'm practicing? Let's stay tuned in, Pascal, and see what will happen with this opinion or impression and to see it arise and pass can be so liberating suddenly I absolutely want this need this and if I stay tuned I might see it arise and uh, pass Oh, I don't have to follow every want it's in their nature to arise and pass the changing nature of everything When we see this, slowly also we're going to start to see in the pattern of things, in things, in events, inside and outside, that there's not one that will be absolutely satisfying because passing through. So what I project on that will be completely satisfying Maybe it doesn't have that capacity to satisfy me completely. That seems like bad news. But it can be so liberating, sobering, you know, to be more aligned with life. Oh yeah, things arise, and they're unreliable a bit, or unstable, changing. As we pay attention to events, We'll see how they 
you know, you might have projected on the Insight Meditation Society and the LGBTQ retreat. You know, at some point it looked so satisfying in the catalog. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm here and it's showing to be otherwise. (laughs) And to make peace with this. Maybe I'd like to have the perfect personality, you know. But the more I pay attention, the more I'm like, oh yeah, that's going to be defective, probably until the end, <laughs> you know. Can't totally count on the personality to satisfy everyone, <laughs> you know. Oh. It's tenderizing, I find. Uh, or health, you know. Might have thought it was solid. Permanent. I certainly fell into that erroneous view, you know, that it was mine. And one day I was in the doctor's office, and they said, "Well, it's gone, or certainly partly gone." I think it's good to become sensitive to this before that things have in their nature to pass. The Buddha, when he talks about the different uh, phenomenon or experiences of our lives, he uses images that have in them a lot of ephemerality. A lot of... And so, talking about the body, he uses the uh, uh, image of foam. Foam, like the foam by the side of the ocean, you know, with every wave changing form. And we know this. We know this. The body will age. The way we perceive it. He uses uh, the image I like. There's a series of images I like a lot that's that's so powerful to me. There's an image that the Buddha uses. Um, It's the image of the uh, banana tree trunk. And he says, imagine imagine one of us uh, wanting to build uh, a good refuge. So we're like, okay, Let's take. Uh, let's go find good wood, good wood in the f- forest. So we go, you know, up there, or down there, you know, and we look for good wood with good hard, 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 hard wood. And uh, suddenly we see a banana tree, like down there. So many of them. We see a banana tree with big leaves, big flower, big fruits, and we're like, et voila. With such big flower, flowers or fruits or leaves, there has got to be you know, very strong wood at the middle of that tree. So we start to axe this to build a refuge. And what do we find? That it's a grass or herb. There's no, nothing solid at the core of it. It's a powerful image, no? And the Buddha used that image to talk about maybe our mind constructions. I'm sitting here, and suddenly me later, and it looks so real and solid, you know? And the bell rings, or the teacher disrupts me in my thinking process (laughs) by giving some instruction, or somebody sneezes. No. And suddenly, whoops, empty. It was just a construction of mine. I bought into it as solid, you know. And it reveals its uh, ephemeral nature. Mirage-like is an image the Buddha used, I think I named here. Mirage. He uses the image of bubbles to talk about the pleasure and displeasure we experience. 
bubbles. You know, there's suddenly pleasure, something pleasurable happen in the mind, in the relationship, in the moment of life. You know, it's really beautiful. It exists when it exists. It exists so much, huh? and suddenly, boom, gone. You know, suddenly something else is there. And so the Buddha is asking us, inviting us, I think, through all of their teaching, uh, to notice the changing nature of our views, the way we hold ourselves, others, future past, the world, you know, and to notice how things arise and pass. We're invited also to notice how things are conditional. They exist out of conditions. They are constructed in some way. And uh, there's, um, I'm thinking of uh, Marlon uh, Barrios uh, Solano, who teaches meditation and was worked here for a long time, and is also a, a scholar of um, of uh, mo- uh, contemporary dance, modern dance, I think. And he was describing uh, describing uh, going to a, I think it was in Germany, a workshop conference of dancers. And there was uh, one event where there was a, a New York v- a voguing artist that was sharing their knowledge with, uh, you know, people from different countries, a different uh, lineage, maybe of a tradition. Or, and uh, Marlon was saying this person was uh, kind of coaching or instructing around the voguing, and uh, they would say something to people like. Uh, you can let go of your boring self, honey. You can let go of your boring <laughs> self. It's completely constructed. It's all empty. So you're allowed to be fabulous. You can be fabulous because it's all empty. It's all constructed. <laughs> so it's as good being fabulous is as good as being boring. You don't have to hold to your old boring self. Isn't that a beautiful teaching in, in the, the changing nature and constructed nature of things? I thought it was remarkable and so thankful to... Marlon, for having shared that, you know, you can be fabulous. It's all empty. That's <laughs> one way you can express. You express, and so it can be very freeing to recognize the changing na- nature, the constructed nature of who we are. I remember talking to a, a trans a man, a trans man friend, and they were saying, "Oh yeah, yeah." I, I do this because I've been uh, socialized as a girl. So, so I've, you know, this, this is the, some of the things I tend to do in response to situation because I've been conditioned to do this, you know. Ah, this, it's constructed, you know. And, yeah, so what we thought as solid, maybe, or Im- Im- immutable, you know, like heteronormativity or cisness by narity. <laughs> you know, we, we know or are discovering clearly for ourselves that these things are, you know, masculinity is not immutable. Who's going to give birth? So many things can, are just not that solid. I remember uh, uh, on the one LGBTQ retreat like this in California, um, Arena Wiseman was uh, teaching, offering a talk like this one. And uh, and at some point, you know, in a, a very little body, kind of, uh, seemingly frail, maybe. I don't know it's the right words here, but there's something very minute or about her. Like this. 
and she was and and uh, and yeah and something very solar also maybe something very and she was sitting there and and she she said something like um, after a pause maybe she said i am honored to be queer and the changing nature of things was revealed to me because I was sitting there and there was a kind of a transmission. Suddenly I got her view that I didn't have, you know. I'm honored. Like this would not have crossed my mind. But it wasn't hers. It was the way she was inhabiting her experience. And that moment I experienced it in that way. You know, oh, I'm honored to be queer, it's something very special, very special gift. And the view that I had before was was not that one, and suddenly it was washed away, very clearly for a few seconds at least. You know, the impression stayed very, very strongly. I mean, that I can refer to it, and you know, maybe still integrating it to some extent, but something. Almost, I want to say, in the cells was transformed. You know, a view, a view, and the Buddha talks about this with the talking, talking about views and perception as a mirage. You know, maybe I thought at this point unconsciously it's a curse or a challenge, or and suddenly it was a blessing. What's your relationship with this? How is it going to transform? Let's stay tuned. I remember also Arena saying, uh, you know, it's in the same vein here, but talking to with somebody in a, maybe in a Q&A or something like this the poor person was maybe uh, reporting on feelings uh, impressions of unworthiness you know and there was a way that she very kind of gently was brushing it away you know saying like oh yeah it's okay it's just a little delusion you know, it's just a mistake, slightly mistaken view. It's not... It was good to hear. You know, it's... I remember also an, an, another moment, there was a Gavin Harrison, dear teacher, passed away a few years ago. Lovely being, I think, as you would maybe self-describe, because I've heard him use that word so many times, mischievous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he would say things like this, like, what, what mischief are we about to do? You know, like, what are we talking about practice? You know, like, mischievous. And, um, and one time he was on the stage like this, uh, and there was a Q&A, and one young person uh, raised their hand, and we're also reporting on, uh, you know, saying, I'm trying to practice, I'm trying to listen to the instructions very closely, and, but I don't get any headway, you know, like I, I still uh, experience so much discouragement and, uh, and shame and this and that, and it was uh, very surprising to me because I was sitting somewhere just there, you know, and uh, Gavin kind of... Uh, broke the norm in a way, you know, because uh, he, the person was reporting just there in the middle of the crowd, you know, and it just stood and walked to the person, like, <laughs> like broke the kind of, kind of agreement, you know, like, <laughs> and he just walked straight, sat in the, with the person, I maybe took their hand, or I, anyway, like, was just like sitting, and suddenly there was like an intimacy, you know, like there was a hundred people witnessing two people together, 
And uh, I think he said a few things, but the one thing I, I really struck me was the last thing he said to, to end the exchange was, he, he just said with so much confidence and love, and also I could see like everybody was loving this young person, you know, like uh, with compassion and care. And uh, Gavin said, sometimes we're the last one, the last one to find out we're lovely. Almost as a promise, like you'll, you'll get there, you'll see this. It might not be just now, you know, but you will see. And it was felt to me as very healing, although I was, you know, on the side, wasn't it? So the view can change. Something that might seem solid or real might show that it was actually very mirage-like, ephemeral, and can vanish. And here, we pay attention. We keep noticing. We keep noticing. We don't try to change what's there, but we are awake to it. Awake to it. And at some point, it shows its unhelpful nature. It's entangling nature, that particular view, maybe. And then, boop, it opens up. Ruth King is a great Dharma teacher and colleague and friend. She has a way to talk about uh, some of the things I'm trying to talk about here. She has very kind of simple or maybe more like pithy, like pithy, yeah, essential. And she, uh, maybe she talks about the three P's, P's like Pascal, (laughs) the three P's. And she, she says, oh, it's not permanent not perfect, not personal. Deep, deep wisdom. It's not permanent. Whatever is arising is not permanent. Can we remember this or know this deeply? It's not permanent. It's not perfect. It's not possible for it to be perfect. It's going to be changing. And it's not personal, it's in the nature of things to be in this way. And so here by slowing down, by offering the best attention we can, a presence we can to what's happening, we find out that things are changing constantly that they can't completely satisfy, do the job. And that this is very natural in the world. It's not that I did something wrong. You know. So it's in the nature of things for a disease to arise. In this case here, HIV. You know, it's in the nature of things that condition come together and at some point, whoops, this ease. It's in the nature of things for confusion to arise sometimes, you know, to experience confusion. Also clarity. And when we start to see maybe some of the afflictive emotion in this way, that's not personal. It feels very personal, but, oh yeah, of course fears happens. Dejection. Wanting to not be. or Yeah. These happen in minds. Can it be okay? Can it be known? 
can we stay tuned to see it transform? Let's uh, be silent for a moment here. May we find uh, deep, deep peace inside ourselves and in the world. A great balance and courage. So that we can transform it, participate, contribute take good care of ourselves and others. May we experience freedom and offer protection. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you.